0: You're listening to Two Sides of FI, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached FI in 2020. And this is our story. So Jay, you just made this video on Karsten's safe withdrawal rate toolbox, which is a tool that both you and I use. And I was glad that you offered to make that video because I do feel like it feels really intimidating when you open it up, you see all these charts, all these numbers, there's all these tabs, and Karsten's work is obviously uh, very involved. There's a lot of mathematical analysis under the hood. Yes. And you just breaking it down simply, I think makes it more approachable and accessible. And just kind of wanted to follow up on that since this is a tool that both you and I use, me planning my uh, retirement and how I'm going to draw down my portfolio. And you are now, you know, two years into using this. And so you're, you know, we both have relied on this heavily. You know, I just dipped back into mine this week, just in preparation for this. And I was, playing around with some of the new features. I know you've been using some of the new features. How did you come to discover this tool?
1: So I actually, it's it's funny you should ask that, because uh, I started digging through my old emails and notes this morning, way back from when I was working with financial advisors, some of the early retirement modeling I did. And I definitely stumbled on this stuff somewhere in, I think, early 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And I had already been using a lot of the other tools out there, FireCalc, c Sim. I'm sure we're going to come back to those. Uh, uh, and then came upon the uh, Safe Patrol Rate series, yeah. and you know discovered it in part seven of that series was while I was charging through all the articles and, you know, it's something I kept coming back to, something I would ask other people their opinions about. So, uh, it, it went from being something that was just interesting and something I was trying to learn about and seeing, you know, doing my math a thousand different ways. Was it another valuable piece of that? It went from exploratory to now it's really my primary tool. So it's been quite an evolution over the last, uh, almost four years now, I guess.
0: There's so many calculators online and yeah. when you first uh, find out about the fire movement, you... You, I think, kind of try every one of them, and obviously yes. one of the <laughs> one of the prominent ones that bubbles up to the surface is C-Fire Sim, right? That's that's a, you know, it's very graphical, very simple set of inputs, um, and the outputs are, you know, you basically have a portfolio value, and you're t- t- entering a withdrawal rate, that's and right. you're you're running some tests on it. The fundamental difference that I see between C- something like C-Fire Sim and Karsten's Safe Withdrawal Rate Toolbox is, it's solving for different things. With the Safe Withdrawal Rate Toolbox, you're entering your portfolio and your retirement horizon, basically, how long you think you're going to live once you're beyond retirement, and it's telling you a fail-safe withdrawal rate. It's giving you a whole bunch of more information, but basically it's saying, hey, if you want your portfolio to last this long, this is the you know, fail safe uh, withdrawal rate there. As opposed to Seafire Sim, it's asking you to input whatever withdrawal rate. So let's say you put in 4% withdrawal rate, it's gonna tell you, you know. How many times, based on the simulations that it's running, how many times did that fail? You know, it's, that's a full drawdown of your portfolio.
1: That's right. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're tackling a similar question, but approaching it from different it's angles. Totally different. One, like you said, Sim does require you to a priori say, this is the amount of money I think I want to take out uh, every year. How am I going to do? Uh, whereas the Safe Withdrawal Rate right Toolbox says, this is the amount of money I have. This is, likewise, this is how long I need it to last. What should I do or what could I do? And then, you know, it, it takes a couple of different other added kind of angles on it that are interesting and we can talk about. But um, I, I would say one thing that uh, I did like about CFIRE SIM, um, since I don't know if we're going to talk about this further, is it allowed you to choose the number of different types of withdrawal models, both consistent rate and variable rate. And while the uh, Safe Withdrawal Rate Toolbox, as we'll discuss, has some of that and some that I really like, Earlier on, when I was even just learning about all the different ways people could choose or have proposed that one could withdraw in retirement, c Sim did that stuff pretty well. I do think one thing that's interesting to point out, and we're not going to deep dive on all the tools that are out there today, right, is that some of these Monte Carlo simulation tools out there do use historical data, but they randomly permute it. You know, they mix up the years. Right, and, right. you know, if you want to be, I guess, the most objective, maybe that's a reasonable thing, um, or it's another type of condition you can look at, but that may not be. Inaccurate reflection well it won't be some of those simulations that are pulled will be pretty insane in terms of low followed by the highest followed by you know things we've never seen before i guess someone could argue that could be interesting to really you know look at all possibilities but um maybe that's not
0: i mean if you if you look at how karsten talks about this actually he uses the analogy of you know traveling in and out of San Francisco, and you know, you're going to be traveling during rush hour. But if you look Uh, at the probability of you landing in a traffic jam over any 24 hour period, you know, you know that you're going to have traffic at very high volume of traffic at certain hours, right? You do the probability over a 24 hour period, and you find, well, it's 4% chance you're going to be in traffic. But if you know, you're going to be traveling there between 7 and 9am, it's a hundred percent probability that you're right. going to be in traffic. And that's what I think he's trying to say with these kind of conditional probabilities. It's not really a random walk. There are periods where you have, you know, strong momentum in either direction. And so yeah. to just completely discount that is very hard to do. So, you know, he, and, yeah. he's made some great arguments and I think you and that's I true. both buy into that, which is why I don't know if this is the only planning tool you're using anymore, but it's, it's almost exclusively the one that I'm using currently.
1: Yeah. It's become my primary tool, Um, you know, and especially at this stage of things, right, where I understand my budget pretty well. I know what are my usuals, right, expenses. And I just want to look at based on what the market is doing, you know, what my portfolio is like. If I needed to change my withdrawal rate, would that be okay based on the conditions that I'm seeing in the tool? And and we can dig into practically what that looks like, but yeah, you're right. It is kind of the primary tool I use right now.
0: It's also what I liked about it. and, And now that I'm starting to get deeper into it, you know, there's a high level sort of, you can just plug your numbers in and get some pretty usable information in just a few minutes as you demonstrated in that video. But as you get further into it and you start predicting future cash flows, like for example, maybe, you know, your, your mortgage is going to be paid off at a certain point. So you can, you know, pull that out of you as a negative cash flow at a certain point. Right. Or Mm -hmm. maybe you think health expenses are going to be higher in the future. Or for for me personally, I started projecting out, well, I know there's going to be some residual income from my business that's going to happen in the first say three or four years. And I made some predictions as to what that is. And you can see in real time by modeling out different scenarios, how that actually affects, the portfolio and how, how it changes your withdrawal rate, like the safe consumption rate, the withdrawal rate, like it's just, I love it for that. And you maybe can use this for some of your side hustle income, right? You know, you're working, pouring wine one day a week. Uh, Lori's bringing in some tutoring money. Um, Do you use it in that way? Or are you just saying, "Eh, I'm going to use that as kind of a buffer and I'm not going to count that.
1: Yeah, it's more the latter, and that's just because it's it's small potatoes. You know, for sure, if we started doing something, you know, we had some kind of small business or something that generated more income, we would definitely be using it to model uh, that because you know we would change our withdrawals, right? We'd be changing, we'd be taking less out of the portfolio, uh, you know, because you can if you have other income coming in, and I like that flexibility. It's what you're supposed to be thinking about. Your expenses can and do change over time, as do potential income. So being able to be flexible and just update that, to me, makes a lot of sense and isn't work I have to recreate independently. Yeah.
0: The other thing I really appreciate about this is it's kind of a window into Karsten's mind. We spoke to him and Fritz recently about the bucket strategy and his opinions on the bucket strategy as being window dressing and Fritz using it in a sort of different way. And it's interesting because part of his dialogue on that interview was, I don't really care right. how I draw down the assets in my portfolio. Like it doesn't matter as long as I'm consistently rebalancing. Right. Uh, so what I pay attention to are things like withdrawal rate, you know, expense ratio, like all the things that he plugs into this safe withdrawal rate toolbox. Those are all the things that he cares about. Cape based withdrawal strategy you can see as he's adding to this tool over time, The things that are really important, you know, if you retire when the CAPE ratio is very high, that is going to have potentially a pretty big impact on a safe withdrawal rate, you know, your sequence risk. And you can see that present in this toolbox. For
1: sure. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good way to put it. I hadn't thought of it that way, but the points of focus, right, the the things that, that Karsten thinks are a priority are, are I guess, pretty obvious and consistent with what he says in conversations like that or when we've heard him on other podcasts.
0: Yeah. I wanted to ask you about this um, supplemental cash flows because we just talked about it a little bit here. Yeah. What, you know, I think part of his point in including these supplemental cash flows and and for the most part, I think we're talking about, you know, pensions, the biggest one that, you know, everyone in the U S is probably going to have access to in some form or another is social security. And, you know, he's like, you'd be surprised at how many people in the fire movement actually wholly discount the fact that social security exists, but it is, it's an inflation adjusted, you know, addition to your, your income over time, it's going to change your withdrawal rate. Naturally it should. Right. Yeah. How, how, how have you modeled that out?
1: Social security is probably the thing that I've given the most thought to and you know you and I have talked about before the fact that I have modeled over the years you know scenarios between 0 and 100% of projected social security Um, you know, in my own case, not knowing what types of legislative changes there could be or additional mean testing, et cetera. But when I, uh, what I've settled on in more recent years is assuming that my social security is funded to half of what the projection is. And I have that, uh, claiming at age 70, which is a pretty common, um, uh, tactic in the fire movement, especially when you had a, a working spouse with lower income, maybe they would claim sooner. I would claim at seventy, so I do have those flows in starting at age seventy. So that's the main thing I've used it for. Yeah. I did, you know, kind of like in his demo data, I did put some additional expenses, whether they're medical or otherwise, coming in in later years for both me and Lori. Um, if nothing else, just as a placeholder uh, to see what that impact is. Um, so the, I would say the the Degree of confidence in that isn't super high right now but it's something that at least is easy to, to go in and change and if new information became available so be it I would just add it in I how probably, about you is that something you, you you know you mentioned your passive income um, kind of your business income changing yeah. over time do you find value in digging into increasing expenses too or is that not yet on the radar
0: you yeah, know I, I I'm trying to be as accurate as I possibly can with it it's a little tricky because, like you said, how much can we actually know about this? And I, I think there's, right. you know, a c- conventional wisdom says like once we turn fifty five, there'll at least be some kind of phase out for Social Security, yes. um, and so it's not going to just drop off a cliff. And you and I are still five years away from that that point. So, presuming we make it to that point, and I think that <laughs> I, I just have a hard time believing that it's going to completely go away. So I've been modeling fifty percent value, but it's a it's a little tricky. Um, as well, because, you know, my wife and I, obviously we have different earnings histories and, yep. you know, we both paid in enough to, to receive payments, obviously, but, um, it's hard to tell where that final value is going to land, especially if right. the business is going to continue producing residual income. And so, yeah, I've made some projections and and generally I adopted your 50% of what I thought those projections should be. Okay. And I presumed my, I was going to start drawing at 70 and you know, I guess Laura would draw at her full retirement age, 67. I think that is for our cohort here. Um, but yeah, I I find a lot of value in actually playing with those first couple of years because, in one sense, it's a way of padding the number, right? Yep. You you can you can look at this as okay, well maybe this is a, this is maybe the most I could withdraw if I had ideal earnings here. Um, you know, you could pad it the other direction and just say okay, a safe withdrawal rate. Not counting on any residual income, which I know there's going to be some, you know, ends up being in the range that I'm sort of anticipating. And so I can plan that way. Are you using it to create buffers?
1: Um, I would say (laughs) I'm using buffers in a different way. And that's going to probably kind of launch us into a new area. But, um, I, I, you know, I can... It might, maybe it would help to kind of just back up a little and explain to, because it's been a few years since you and I have talked about this. I, I can't think of why we would have revisited it since then, but like where I started with my thoughts on withdrawal rate and where I ended up now some years later. So, you know, back when I was still working with financial advisors, getting some support there, we together had come up with this idea of, you know, 3.5% of starting portfolio. Starting portfolio value, um, and that jived with everything I had been modeling. Because even though I was, you know, literally paying somebody to help me with this stuff uh, for a number of years, I was on the side using every type of modeling out there, including the safe withdrawal toolbox. Not checking their work per se because, I mean, I did have a lot of trust in them, but I honestly wanted to know had they considered or had they even heard of some of this stuff and, you know, and to their credit, they would read the things I would send and they would give me their feedback on it. But, you know, in the end, I I just became happy with this three and a half percent idea. And that's exactly where I started um, with with that idea in mind. However, I never really started withdrawing three and a half percent you know we've talked about it here before i was using a fixed rate but really keeping it to three percent or below of starting portfolio value and then so wait, not changing wh- it
0: i'm confused then hey eric here with two sides of five if you've been listening to jason and i on the podcast you may not be aware that we also have a youtube channel and quite often we have supporting graphics charts information and even a few outtakes that don't fit well in an audio format so if you're into that kind of thing, you can find us on YouTube at Two Sides of Phi. Mm-hmm. Using three and a half percent, but you as a well, ceiling? I said, I
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it was I viewed it as a ceiling, and you're going to see that this idea continues. So then I start, you know, I'm out on my own. I'm using the safe withdrawal rate toolbox as my guide, right? My primary tool, and you know, it's still telling me, you know, based on per- portfolio value, this we're good. And I, my goal was I would look at it annually, see how I felt about things, and you know, I, but I, but no matter what, I still had this ceiling that I just it made me feel comfortable that I'm staying below the ceiling. Now enter where we are today. It's going to bring us to this, you know, conversation about Cape adjusted uh, withdrawal rate model. I want to
0: stop you though, because you were yeah. just you were just covering expenses, or you you, you knew you needed X dollars. To I'm covering fund, expenses to fund your life, yeah, and fun and everything in your budget. And then it just turns out that that happened to be less than the three and a half percent ceiling that you set
1: well and th- th- so there's there's the rub right because as you and I have talked about in in recent shows my budget is x but you know and in there are some sinking funds that cover things like vacation and and yeah. and some other things but you know i don't necessarily pull everything i might need to cover all those things in my budget so my true withdrawals can be higher than what i'm modeling in my budget but i use the safe withdrawal rate to make sure at a ceiling level i'm not going above it um, and so that's what I had been doing until really a few months ago and then I started using the cape adjusted withdrawal rate okay but
0: so and so this is another tab in in. Carson, she and lest we lose people here in the weeds. Yeah, correct me. This tab models a dynamic withdrawal rate based on the CAPE ratio, the cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio, which is it's just basically an average of the inflation adjusted earnings from the prior 10 years. So it tracks valuations in the stock market. You know, are equities overvalued or undervalued based on their earnings?
1: I think the important idea is that based on market conditions, you may have more or less sequence risk, for example, based on a given withdrawal strategy. And so if you allow to use that as an indicator, you can actually potentially raise or lower your withdrawal rate in response to what the current CAPE is. And, and Carson has even recently proposed his own modified version of the CAPE right. that right. he feels <laughs> is better aligned with sort of today's business practices, You know, different from when. Uh, Robert Schiller created the ratio you know decades ago at this
0: point. So the Trinity study, which sort of generated the four percent you know rule of thumb that that everyone likes to quote in the fire movement, um that basically looked at the unconditional probability of you retiring at any sort of random point in the you know last hundred years or so, right? Mm-hmm. Adding and looking at the cape ratio is important because you know if you look at all the failures of the four percent rule, it always happened when CAPE was high,
1: right? Yep, over 20. I think over Carson 20. said it's 100% of the failures are CAPE over 20.
0: So you'd be kind of crazy not to factor that in. Use that as, you know, your, your retirement yeah. is conditional on a certain set of, of market conditions, right? Um, and so you want to be looking at those numbers and the market conditions at the point of retirement, which is, I was going to ask you, did, did you ever go back and look at, your actual retirement date and what the cap ratio was then and then compare it to what his withdrawal rate would have been
1: i didn't but you're <laughs> right you're actually making a good point you know kind of underneath all this and it's like not everybody i feel like people could be tuning out right now yes because yeah, totally. not everybody is actually interested in market dynamics at all and that's i think one of the nice elements of the safe withdrawal rate toolbox is you could just use that kind of first column um, if, you know, for people who've watched the tutorial, and if they haven't, they should really see part one of this. Um, that's the, you know, safe withdrawal rate, right? All, all years, it's uh, say, saying this is the fail safe. And if you choose the 0% failure rate, there's your fail safe, right. whatever that number is, 3.25 percent or whatever you look at, you don't ever have to consider it conceivably. You don't ever have to consider the impact of what market dynamics are. You could just go with that. But If you're willing to be more flexible, meaning you could withdraw more or less depending upon market conditions and really ensure that you're in line with the market, to your point, I mean, how could you choose a better strategy than to consider the CAPE ratio? And it it wasn't something that was on my radar in the beginning. It was more about how simple can I keep this? Right. Yeah. yeah. Because we don't want to make it hard. Right. And certainly something I could never talk to Lori about. This is just so boring to her. And she asked me not to talk about it. But um, (laughs) I'll. But in reality, it could be pretty powerful. Uh, and if nothing else, just give you confidence, right? Because at the end of the day, when you start withdrawing, I got to tell you, confidence <laughs> is not always there. Right, uh, right. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a th- something that really – I think I even told you this. You, there might even be a text about this. It gave me so much more confidence when I got reacquainted with the toolbox and started looking at some of these additional <laughs> ways to carve up the data. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mentally – I mean, it really helps.
0: It's a lot to process. And also, you know, as I think about setting a withdrawal rate, like, you know, and planning out a life and budgeting, like, I want that number to be pretty, I don't want that to change a lot. Right. Right. I want to know what it is and I want to be able to increase it with inflation over time. And but I don't want when the market tanks to have to change that a lot. And so, yeah, I guess my initial take on this was like, oh, no, it's another set of calculations to run. It's another (laughs) thing to add to my to do list. And but, you know, actually, if you look at the number, um, it's not actually more work. Carson's done all the work for you under the hood. Uh, But it does give you like you can maybe treat it like a ceiling, like you're doing yeah. uh, with this, and and understand that you know when you're in a bear market and the cape ratio is down, valuations have readjusted some, that you know you actually could spend more than four percent. You might be able to spend five percent or six, whatever the number says based on yeah. the portfolio there. And I I thought that was interesting it also is not quite as dynamic as and i know the Bogleheads have this kind of dynamic VPW, yeah there's a dynamic you know withdrawal rate right and that could potentially swing wildly based on portfolio value or right i mean
1: yeah absolutely and yeah carson's written about that is why the reasons why he's not in favor of vpw it's much more um impacted by it will have these swings as a result of what the market is doing. Whereas, you know, using this cape adjusted, you know, method, the swings are actually much less in terms of the actual impact on right. your withdrawal
0: amount. It adds kind of a, a smoothing curve. That's the, the best way thing. to put it. Yeah. Totally. And it um and it also, you know, helps hedge against sequence risk, which he'll tell you never really yeah. goes away. But I mean that's the thing that you were most worried about I know when you first started drawing down your retirement but like as someone you know you like to track a lot of things so now we're just adding more and more things for you to track (laughs) in your retirement
1: (laughs) I mean, you're you're on it more than you realize you are because you know now. So now my monthly process, uh, you know, I, I have my little monthly well, this is every month. that I do. It's super simple. <laughs> well, I mean, and if you're if you're using uh, Cape adjusted withdrawal rate, you should be looking monthly. And Karsten updates the raw data yeah. every month. It does change, but I mean, I'll, I'll tell you when I do that little roll up. Now I have a new thing to track. What did it say I could withdraw? What did I really withdraw? And you know, I'm not. I'm not definitely not taking advantage of it as much as I could. You know, I could really be using opportunity to withdraw more yeah. uh, when it says I can. But of course, you know, you'd also have to be willing to withdraw less if conditions dictate. And so I think that's probably part of why I think of it more as the ceiling that just gives me comfort. It's like a security blanket. It's saying right now, well, based on your duration, based on how much you want to leave to your heirs or whatever, it's saying four and a half percent. You could withdraw right now based on Cape. And I think his adjusted Cape right now was around 23. Um, But I'm not. I'm still withdrawing around 3% because why should I draw extra right now? I don't have a need right now. Last month I did. I had to get a dental implant. So I went way over budget that month but still below that ceiling. So that felt pretty good to do that, but I'm definitely still gun shy about looking at it like, oh, you have free reign now, just go spend up to this amount. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to do that because I'd rather it be there if I need it for good reasons or for scary reasons. So, I mean, it's still, I guess it's like a guide, a guidance for me. It's a guiding principle, but it's definitely not, I'm not looking at it as license to just go spend.
0: Yeah, no, I feel like it's, um, um it's maybe potentially more useful for the, as we're nearing a a new peak in the bull market to kind (laughs) of help you think about not getting too frothy with your spend. Right. I think it's, it's like maybe like a regulator a little bit almost, um, because I don't see, you know, your spending habits at the bottom of a bear market, you know, and who knows how long we're going to be here. You're probably already dialed into like, Hmm, you're feeling a little bit reserved in how you're spending things anyway, right? I mean, it's not like, you, yeah. you're not really looking to dial things up. Are you?
1: No. Well, so how do I, I don't know? Maybe, that? maybe you are. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I don't know, man. I, I think right now I, it's more important for me for it to feel good for everybody involved in the household. Right? Oh, like okay. I'm not like, okay, it's tighten your belts. You know, the market's still not good guys. Like they don't want to feel it. And so, what I usually explain when, you know, Laurie or our teenager asks us like, oh, why are we spending X? Why can't we spend X plus, you know, a thousand? Um, I say like, you know, like we have our routine expenses covered. And that way, if we want to spend more, it's there for us to have to spend more. We shouldn't just because it says like you can spend up to this much. We should absolutely spend up to that much every month. Like that seems crazy to me. Well, versus, give me some specifics. I don't know. Like, it's what
0: do you, what, you
1: what, what like go out to dinner more, right? Oh, okay. Like we have an amount that we allocate to going out to dinner and we always spend that 100%. In fact, I'm usually throwing other money at it from other places <laughs> in my budget because the family likes to go out to eat. Um but you know, if, to double that, like the Safe Withdrawal Rate toolbox would tell me yeah. I could double the amount of money wow. we spend on going out to eat oh. as as a factor of my budget, but I don't know. It's it's to me. It just seems like I I don't know if it's Eric, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if it's just fear, like additional fear of running out or, you know, because we're in these earliest sequence risk years and the market, you know, it's not doing so great compared to three years ago or two years ago. There's a natural hesitancy in me for sure to just kind of go wild. It's like this is our budget. We can stick to it and feel good and go above when we need to. But like, let's not just go hog wild because just because we can
0: Well, I get that. But also Is that stupid. I mean, <laughs> here's here's what I'll say to that. You are using the, a spreadsheet which has a lot of additional information in it. And some of the columns, which you actually didn't talk about in your video. Yeah. You could go and and peer at those to the right um, on that analysis sheet and see yep. the failure rate based on Cape right now. Yep. And based on your withdrawal rate, your actual withdrawal rate, and I bet you're going to see you're in the zero percent range. I know. <laughs> so, but there's a difference. I'm telling you, and I, I can't. Yeah, but you have But to- you're not. You want it. You're trusting the math implicitly.
1: I, I do trust, the and
0: you and you are hedging against <laughs> trusting the math. It's like it, there is a little bit of lunacy to it. I mean, I hope you can there is. see that, right? Well, be, well let's be it's, honest it's this idea that you know you can he actually has another tab in this spreadsheet. I don't know if you' have played around this it's called the case study tab
1: yeah
0: and you and he'll put in nineteen twenty nine as like one of the the word and you can put in any year you want and and yep. it test it historically and test your portfolio against whatever your current withdrawal rate is and see what happens over yep. a period right I'll do it have uh, you I'll done do it? it I
1: have not done that specific <laughs> exercise. <laughs> But uh, I will. It's I'll kind take of the homework.
0: It's kind of fun, man, because, y- you know, he, it's even the 4% rule <laughs> at this point in time. It's tested against the word. Like, These are bad conditions. And, you know, Karsten is always saying, he's like, oh, do, OK, we've just had a 20% market drop. Do you really think we're going to throw on another?
1: I know, d- yeah. you know, a 20, great depression on top of it. a great depression on top of it. Yeah.
0: And like I, it's some in some ways you're planning like you are. <laughs>
1: well, you know, and that's the thing that this is the this is the mental block that I mean, it's a let's face it, Eric. It uh, <laughs> was it Fritz that said this. It came up in Fritz and, and Karsten's recent series about the bucket strategy. Like it's a privileged position to be able to buffer your budget to the degree that I know I have and to be able to live comfortably well below my safe withdrawal rate. But uh, on the same note, it's like. Like, I don't know if I, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't yeah. feel like we're holding back, but, you know, I mean.
0: Here, I'm going to push back on that. If, if someone's asking, can we go out more? <laughs> yeah, sure. What, You're what literally you th- correct. What do you think? <laughs> of course we could. <laughs> hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi, checking in with a quick request. Jason and I love making this show and sharing our conversations, but we need your help spreading the word. The best way to do that is to give us a quick rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And if you know someone on the Five Path, please hit that share button on your favorite episode. Every little bit helps. Thanks. To be I,
1: fair, I'm never like, ooh, no, no, it's macaroni and cheese time, guys. We're I know. Definitely not I'm not out.
0: saying that, but I can. <laughs> I, you know, you and I are very, very much alike in this in this respect, yep. and I and I do know that when Laura comes to me with a certain spend, so we're we're kind of renovating our living room, if you will, we're upgrading furniture, you know, for the longest time we've had like an Ikea house, basically.
1: Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Which I like.
0: Which is fine for like, you know, when you're just getting started and you don't have a lot to put into the house, but at a certain point, like the stuff wears out and you got to upgrade. Yeah. And so when she comes to me with these things and requests I, and I'm like, I'm starting to run it through that, my own math of like, okay, uh-huh. if we did this, in when we were fired. yes, And now I got to manage like, and we want, obviously we're still going to do things like that, yeah. but my brain immediately goes to, okay, well, if I'm going to cash this in, that's going to have some implication on ACA premium tax credits. And like this, it's like this whole calculus that I don't even want to get into, you know, when, when yeah. really the reality is like we can You can kind of do it
1: (laughs) you can well and this is what i'm wondering about and i'm glad you went there because that was going to be my next question like and i know this is kind of an impossible question to to answer but like if you project yourselves you know just a couple years out whenever you think you're going to cross that line and now you're withdrawing and maybe you're you you're not generating any income from your business so maybe we have to go out another year can you imagine like making these decisions and what that's going to feel like i mean you're a cautious person right? You, you measure twice, cut once for sure. Like, how do you think it's going to feel? Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to trust the math on this one, man. Okay, I'm I'm just going to be honest. And, and, um, yeah. And I started looking at some of those things exactly with that scenario. Some of, some of his case studies with exactly that in mind, because I want to kind of know what that feels like. Um, and of course I'm, I'm entering kind of future values of the portfolio. So it's not a true, maybe accurate reflection of where the portfolio would be in a bottom of yes. the bear market. And so, I do it's the best way I can think to do it. And um, I felt pretty good with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, the, you know, we do all this preparation and planning yeah. for a reason. And, and, yes. we're, and if you don't believe it, how, how can you jump into and make this decision in the first place? It feels like a pretty big decision to yeah. make based on math, but then get into that position yeah. and then not trust the math.
1: Well, it's. It, so. I, I think there's a distinction, and maybe this is. Maybe this is just one of those cases where you can hold two completely opposing ideas in your head. Sure. Right. I mean, uh, I trust Carson. Cognitive his math. dissonance. <laughs> that's the word. Uh, that's the expression I was going for. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the one with a PhD in economics and a CFA, um, so I trust Carson. He's published the algorithm is used. No one has torn it apart and, you know, sort of held them up as a a fraud, despite this being out there for years now. (laughs) Um, And so I do trust the math. It makes logical sense in many respects. It's true that you can't predict insane outcomes in the future, but we have lots of insane historical data that it does hold up against. So it's not about trusting it. It's just some weird conservatism about like, Whoa, you can't, you know, you don't want to screw this up because, you know, you don't want to go back to work, Jason, which is true. um, And you don't want your family to suffer, um, nor do you want to deprive them. But you want to be like cautious in these initial years. So I know that that's at odds with math that says you don't have to be that cautious. And I've heard that this adjustment to spending is a real thing you know from other retirees fire or traditional and so it seems silly but i know i've gotten better over time but i've clearly got ground to gain still
0: i always think it's interesting to maybe put some kind of scale behind it i mean what are we talking here you're mentioning going out to eat more often how much does that change the annual spend just i mean roughly i don't know you must have done a thousand dollars I mean that's that's like a rounding. I know error. it's
1: immaterial. I it's know it's like, immaterial.
0: Right, and and but is part of your concern like okay, well that's that's step one. That, that
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's going to be a create a landslide slippery
0: slope. Yeah, like, probably. What's next? What's next? We yeah, maybe it is. Controller. Underneath. I mean,
1: you know, <laughs> here's the thing, like the big picture doesn't worry me at all, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna be very interested to see how what things you kind of grab onto post uh, re, but for me at least. Big picture, I feel good. Like I have this budget, I watch what we're doing, I don't agonize over it, I think about it but I move on quickly. But then it's little things. Like I'll I'll be shopping today and Lori was like, you know, we need some good balsamic vinegar. Like the real stuff. (laughs) I'm like, no problem. I put it on the list. I'm in the store. I'm like, yeah, this is $15 or $20. I'm like, you know what, like that's annoying. And I know that groceries went up, but I know that, you know, this is a good problem to have to be complaining about the price of vinegar. You know, it's not a real problem. Let's be clear. (laughs) Yeah. But still, that's the kind of thing I think about. Like, why is this meal $90? We went out. So we had a great conversation last night with some people we met recently. Turned out they had seen the show. I met them in another social forum. So it was cool. We got together and had a couple beers and some dinner. You didn't invite me, man. Well, yeah, I mean Maine is far away. But uh, you know, we, we had a great conversation about about rental real estate and things they're interested in. And at the end of that dinner we're walking out the door and the first thing I said to Lori is like, That should not be ninety dollars. <laughs> like that's annoying as hell like we just had a salad each and two beers and it was 90 dollars i'm uh, like this is an outrage <laughs> like i mean i feel wait, like i'm one di- step away from get off my lawn This.
0: But. <laughs> you didn't offer to pay for the other uh
1: no no everybody paid for them you know for themselves <laughs> um but i mean just Lori and i's bill was more than i thought it should have been and i just like immediately my brain will like enter that into the budget and be like damn it like that's a, that's a chunk of our going out to eat money.
0: It's funny. Cause I don't think that's, that's going to be one of the things for me. Cause, and Good. I'm I, I mean, glad cause I, that is one of the most enjoyable things for me is going out for a meal and me too. I struggle to pay 90 bucks <laughs> going out these days. I don't know what it is, but I mean, yeah, prices are pretty crazy. And I, yeah, maybe it's the classic yeah. get off my lawn. Kind of you're getting old, but um, I have
1: no room to complain. Right. I, uh, I'm just, I try to understand like why certain things like, you know, they, I think about them, I fixate on them and some of this spending, especially on like, you know, you know, food, dining, like the, just the costs that have changed, uh, over time. And everybody's dealing with that. Of course I do think about it and I know that, you know, it's not going to move the needle from a big picture perspective, but it's just an example of the things that from a, financial uh aspect i think about
0: yeah it's funny um when we're spending now on buying some furniture and upgrades and for the house you know i i definitely equate that to you know weekly earnings like okay uh, (laughs) right how long is it going to take me to recoup this you know and also it's and it's deferring money you know it's taking money away from that we could be putting in the market, and in my head is like, well, it's great time to be out buying in the market right now, you know. Right. <laughs> kind of maybe on an upswing here, um, but I, yeah, I keep coming back to this idea that what is it all for, man? I mean, yeah. And I think you know, the older we get, the reality is just you know, you look around and you know, you see people around you who are getting sick and. Passing away and not to be maudlin about it, but I mean, we just got an email from the school today. Someone who's, you know, 51 years old, she just passed away. Like suddenly last I'm like, you know, it's hard to, like you said, it's hard to hold all these things in the same space, but I do feel like, you know, you've worked hard for this man. You've you guys have set yourself up really well. You've planned. You've taken a really conservative approach for these first couple of years. It's really conservative, you know? Yeah, it is. And when you step back into this toolbox, you get to cross off some of those years at the bottom. I don't know if you're doing that, too. But, I mean, that changes the retirement horizon, too.
1: Yep. 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 I do update it. Yeah. It's so, you, so, yeah. you know, I do change my horizon, at least annually I go through and, you know, take off a year and, you know, look at my assumptions and make sure it's right. I admit I haven't been doing that on a monthly basis when yeah, I do my no. kind of CAPE assessment. But, um, I know that, well, let me, let me throw it back to you. What, what should I do? What could I do differently to become more comfortable? I, I still, I don't want to, I don't want to spend at the limit to me that that's, that seems crazy. But,
0: um, well, what is your, what's the failsafe rate right now? So
1: right now, I mean, Cape adjusted it's four and a half percent,
0: right? What are you actually drawing?
1: My budget, my current budget, what I'm taking out monthly, looking at this month, last month, it hasn't changed so much is 3%. (laughs) That's,
0: that's a huge difference, man.
1: I recognize it's a huge difference, but put that
0: number on a piece of paper. Yeah. and, And look at it and, and add half of it to your spend. Yeah. Like, I mean, then you're still padding it by 50%, (laughs) right?
1: Well, I think what I'm probably going to start getting better at is, you know, being, you know, kind of just explicitly funding extras, like, you know, uh, just a weekend thing with the family or something like that. Even if I don't make it like a budgetary withdrawal, like I'm getting more comfortable with the idea of just taking it out for things and you know that will naturally make the withdrawal in that month go higher of course there's there's things that aren't great that could make it go up too like you know dental work or whatever but i think i don't know i i I guess when i am sitting here and like reflecting this feels to me like just another step that i need to take forward to get better at this because you know you helped me come to the realization that i was still holding like another six months of emergency funds as a sinking fund and you know, I, I got rid of that. That's gone. Um, so that, that was a good step. I agree. I don't need two and a half years of cash. That's not what my IPS tells me to do. <laughs> I probably don't need two years of cash. Um, coming back to our conversation with Fritz and Karsten, but
0: well, you don't effectively, I mean, you've, I know, you've got I know it,
1: Carson tells me I don't.
0: Yeah. You've got it laddered so, in a way that I think is smart. I think, I think what you're doing is smart. I just think that yeah. maybe there's another rule set that you need to come up with. You know, you know, this whole, um, I don't know if it's an app or a website, but it's called stick.
1: I don't know that one. S T I
0: K K. I think it is uh, basically it's like a habit forming app. Yeah. So, um, you know, you you could do your own version of this where, you know, you fund a certain amount and you have to commit to doing a certain act, whether that's, you know, walking 10 miles a day or whatever, whatever goal you set, you know, it's a sales goal or whatever it is. And if you don't reach the goal and there's some accountability to it, that that pool of money gets donated to a charity that you can't you absolutely can't stand. Uh, whatever that might be. And so maybe it's just a way of... I can
1: think of a few of those.
0: Right, right. And I'm not suggesting that's the right actual device for doing it, but it's like, you know, you have this kind of pot of money and if it, if you don't actually spend it for life, it goes away. It's interesting. I wonder if Lori, your wife, was involved in this bit of the discussion. Like, I know you don't wrap her into these things, but I feel like, you know, if she were involved in that and had some... Agency there, maybe this would change
1: Well, I mean, I I think it would (laughs) It scares me a little to be honest and why and 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 when we watch this as I know we're going to watch this together I I think the reaction is gonna be like oh, so what you're telling me is the model says and she knows We're withdrawing below the ceiling. She doesn't want to know the the nuts and bolts of it but I I'm honest about the fact that it says we can withdraw this much we are withdrawing below that because life's unexpected things, special vacation, whatever, then we, we have it to withdraw. But, but um, if you're saying that's how I've explained it,
0: even if you're saying, you know, you're drawing 3%, you said, yes. And you could draw up to four, uh, four, four and a half percent of four, current portfolio value four and a half percent. I mean, that's, that's a huge, that's a big difference. If she, yes. if she actually knew the, the money that was, that was equated to, it, I think she'd be pretty surprised.
1: Yeah, I think we're cutting this
0: part out. <laughs> you're going to make me feel like a cowboy when I start drawing my stuff I down, know. Man. I'm just picturing <laughs> like,
1: you like, you know, you're like, uh, exactly. <laughs> I was picturing you all. Uh, Drinks on me. <laughs> slim Pickens drive, you know, flying on, uh, riding the missile down, just spending like crazy. I mean, like I said, I've had it in my head and I've said this a million times. And uh, to Lori, you know, I. I just feel like in these earliest years is when you should be more conservative. And then when you have a better, you know, I just picture like riding one of those Seafire Sims graphs. It's one of the reasons I like those graphs. Honestly, you can see just how different the oh, yeah. paths are depending upon what cohort you're in. It's a really powerful thing for your brain, I think. Um, I don't know which one of those I'm on. We we had a really good first year in retirement, which is good news. And then since then, not as good. Um, so. I, uh, I know that's driving part of my hesitancy to spend. Um, I'm not. I'm not fundamentally against the idea of spending to the safe withdrawal rate.
0: I think you need to. Um, I, you need to exercise the spend muscle a little. Like, so for those people that you went out to dinner with last night, if they're listening, next time it's on Jason. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Suffice it to say, uh, I haven't used these words before, but this really is the tool the, that I find most useful. Certainly the one I'm using most frequently now that I have the highest confidence in. And it's really helped put my mind at ease in a lot of different ways. And I believe there's a lot of utility in it for other people. So, I, I mean, I hope they check it out. I'm glad to hear that you're finding value in it, too.
0: Yeah, I think Carson should make a separate uh, toolbox just for you, the the ultra-conservative guy. Not tell you what's under the hood, and then it'll just tweak your your withdrawal rates. It's perfect. Yeah, he
1: just sits there with the dial, just changes them periodically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, nice. It's I love, a new type of financial advisor.
0: <laughs> I love the toolbox, man. I think it's super helpful. And once I got beyond the initial point where I had to become a little bit comfortable with, you know, the inputs and what it was actually giving me, I, I'm finding a ton of value in it. And so I hope people check it out. I hope people support Carson and his work and his 64-part series, whatever number he's on by, by the time this releases. It's been really impactful to both of us. For sure. Well put. Um,
1: Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Phi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesofphi.com.